Awoga, this is a 12th cast. Incredible how you can Welcome to the live GNT call, almost instant reaction dwarfcast for series twelve, episode five, Mcore. Please send one thousand dollar pounds if you want us to tell you exactly what we thought of the episode, with small points, some news, and a skipper preview for an additional fee. If you can't pay, we can instead take away an hour and a half of your life that you'll never get back. Although to be fair, we'll be doing that anyway. Uh, now it won't surprise you to hear that this dwarfcast contains massive spoilers. So if you've not watched the episode yet, please make yourself invisible. As for the rest of you, we'll be looking at your comments throughout the show, so please do get in touch via the live chat on our Spreaker page, or by tweeting us at Ganymede Titan. Okay, kill the Queen. Uh, I'm Liam <laughs> Science, and I'm joined by my GNT Core colleagues, John Hoare. Hello there. Tanya Jones. Hi. And the invisible Jonathan Capps. Hello. Furthermore, we're delighted to be joined by our recently purchased friends, uh, Joe Sharples from the fan club. Hello. And Shelley Smith, who is also from the fan club. Hello. So, Mcore, what did everyone think? Who wants to go first? Me. Go on then. <laughs> um, I really liked it, which was a revelation. Um, it was a real novelty. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the fact there was a coherent plot and some quite good jokes and some really good performances and a, a central idea which I found really interesting. So well done, everyone. Yay. <laughs> uh, this is such a weird experience for all of us. Capsy, as you're here for once, do you want to go next? Wow. Um, yeah, I would say that's a, that is an episode good enough to um, carry its plot holes um, respectably, <laughs> I imagine we'll get onto the details of those potholes at some point. Yeah, I'm sure we can't be positive the whole time. Uh, <laughs> Shelley, you're, you're our guest. What did you think of the episode? I thought it was a very good concept and very well executed. I thought it was a good plot, and I thought the jokes were peppered in quite well. It was a good balance. I think in the day there, it seems to be either one or the other at the yes. expense, mm. but it was a good mix of both. Mm. I thought good. Joe, you're technically also our guest. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think maybe I didn't enjoy it as much as everyone else did. Oh, so did... it's you, the negative <laughs> mini in the corner. <laughs> now that I disliked it by any stretch, but I, um, yeah, it was good. It was a good episode. Good. And John, the, the key swinging vote. <laughs> uh, can we have it like that every week, please? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and yes, just to confirm, we have actually reached a consensus. <laughs> uh, I really liked the episode. I thought it was good. And I guess the headline reason is jokes deriving from the plot and the situation. And that's always Red Dwarf at its best when it's doing that. 
and it hasn't always and uh, this week it really really did I thought they they wrung every bit of comedy they could out of the various various things that were in it it felt like it could have been a much longer episode as well it felt like there was more to explore that they perhaps didn't get onto but what we got was really good and that's we often feel like I mean that's an often criticised thing about DNA I read a re- read a mm. review of the Times saying, uh, "Oh, you know that that could have been a two part episode." And it's always a good sign when you want more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it definitely doesn't always happen. Yeah, uh, but yeah, how, how do we how do we want to do this? Do, do people have points that they want to make in general, or should we go through bit by bit? We probably should have had this conversation five minutes. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how, how did oh, it's Lister's birthday. <laughs> and um, we're not clear how old he, exactly he's supposed to be. I think Lister is supposed to be fifty. Yes, yeah. I think so. I think Lister's supposed to be Craig Charles's age. How is Craig? How old is how is Craig Charles? I reckon he's hovering around fifty. Yeah. I I thought 52 that. Now. He's 50 for years. Yeah, fifty-two. Yeah, fifty. A little while ago. Yeah. Well, he's this 53. was filmed. This was filmed a little while ago. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought they were going to build to a joke where he was, um, you know, up, up, up. Oh, three million two hundred and fifty. Yeah. Which is where I thought they were going to go. <laughs> yeah. But you know. Well, that's all relative. Yeah. Age is relative. That would have taken the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. Is it 60? No, 70, 80, 90? <laughs> what, what I'd say about that opening scene is um, there's that lovely joke where um, Lister says, oh, I, I don't really need anything. And Crichton says, sir, you've got nothing. <laughs> you, you know, you're so easy to buy for. And what I love about that is um, when I'm watching comedy... A lot of the times those opening scenes are giving me permission to relax mm. into a show. And it was really nice to have an opening bunk room scene with some laughs in that I'm sitting there and I'm happy to watch rather than just getting annoyed by it. Because all too often in uh, Dave Era Dwarf, there's been an opening bunk room scene that I haven't found funny. And even though there's stuff later on that I've liked, I haven't relaxed into it mm. and been able to find some of that later stuff that deserved laughs funny. So I really like that just from the opening minute there was stuff i loved here and apart from anything else as well there was another element in that opening scene was jeopardy uh, actual real the plot started with the opening scene it was remarkably quick yes like yeah. between lister getting up and sitting down it, there was a few a few jokes a bit of dialogue but within a minute he was having a heart attack yeah <laughs> and so yeah. you can't get much a much quicker start and like we were saying there was a lot to pack in and they really hit the ground running on it and that contrasts to last week and i know we we discussed that it wasn't completely irrelevant what they did last week in terms mm. of the start, but it was too slow and we didn't have enough time for the end. And this time around, there was no messing around. There's several this episodes this series, I think, have had opening bits that have big thematic links to the to the plot, but they don't actually start the plot, uh, like the poker scene and um, Crichton's uh, manipulation yes. testing. Yes, it's yes. all thematically <laughs> there, but it's not actually the episode proper and this time the episode proper starts straight away yeah the thematic stuff might be more forgivable if it didn't mean that they were hurrying to get the plot resolved Mm. at the end of the episode which has um, always been the case I think so yeah it was but to be honest in you know I I like clarity I'm a big fan Uh, so this that sort of um, you know you start with your plot and you kick it off straight away and you follow it through seemed to me to be very reasonable yeah. <laughs> and understandable and enjoyable <laughs> uh, and then you can 
relax and enjoy the jokes, mm. um, which I did. I think yeah, most of them were pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, I think there was, um, with, in terms of coherence and how much it made sense, there, there are bits, as Capsi uh, alluded to, I think, with plot holes, where there are gaps to be filled in. Mm. But you don't notice that there are gaps because no. it's good. That's the key. Yeah. <laughs> but it's one of the oft-repeated mantras of our dwarf casts of the older older episodes. Is we mention a plot hole and we say, "Well, it doesn't matter because the episode's good." If this was in series eight, we would have criticised it. Yeah. And mm. you you hang these things on, on a good episode and you let it breeze past you. You know, at least on first watch, which is what matters because that's what makes the lasting impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely, I mean, I think it was only um, when me and John were watching it again that John was uh, kind of bringing up, what about this or what about that? And I was saying, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that's, that's true. When, that's when you're watching it for the purpose of talking about it on a dwarf cast exactly. as well. So that, you're that, looking at it from a critical point of view. That is true. Also, um, another thing I felt watching it for the second time is it felt better to me the second time than the first time. And that's actually rare yeah. for me with Dave Vera Red Dwarf. I usually feel kind of identical second time around as the first but this time around i watched it and it's like no i'm really getting into this even more the second time around which is great i love feeling like that watching red dwarf <laughs> it was brilliant uh we've got a comment coming from ben saunders saying he read an old gnt article from about 2008 yesterday about how plot holes don't matter if the show is good so we are consistent <laughs> yeah. we've been saying this for uh, eight I, nearly 10 years I, now very pleased we're consistent there you go i think i think there is there is possibly there is possibly a slightly more nuanced debate to be had about maybe certain kinds of plot holes Mm. are not ideal or or damage the show well should we talk about them now get get some of the negative (laughs) stuff out of the way just to vary up a bit because we're not used to (laughs) being able to be nice the whole time all right well in that case can i bring up the thing that is slightly bugging me yeah so this is a software upgrade right yes so where did all that physical stuff come from are we saying that the software update replicated physical things i a line in the script Go on. Was. I couldn't hear it. Uh-huh. It's, <laughs> actually... it's something to do with the dispensers being upgraded because obviously yeah. all the like the dispensers don't they generate stuff out of nowhere? She specifically says I can't like she says something right before it, before everything arrives. So it's, so it's like something like our system will provide these things right. and then they appear, but it's not a very like the way that they put over her voice the effect they put yeah. over her voice meant you could gonna... always work out what she was saying right, okay. back masking on, on Helen Jordan's but, yeah. but also there's a slightly weird thing where this stuff appears and they didn't put any effect on it it just goes poof, 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 poof. and that's odd actually it was slightly weird you remember when they're transporting stuff in Rimmerworld and you've got a proper transporter effect on it I think some kind of effect on it mm. might have sold it a little better to me I, I think that it is it's possible to do all these things through a computer uh, through a software upgrade. Uh, I think you kind of you do have to fill in the gaps yourself and and make and make your head canon in a way. But I the way I see it is MCore has all this technology at its disposal. As soon as it installs its operating system, it then upgrades all the all the software and it starts running Red Dwarf <laughs> and it links in via whatever the three million years into deep space equivalent of the of the internet is. And says, uh, "Okay, tran- send 
it's sending Red Dwarf's coordinates to its base, which has teleporters, and it's yeah. teleporting these things to Red Dwarf. Well, indeed, I mean, <clears throat> as you know, I'm not a massive fan of head cannon when it comes yeah. to watching Red Dwarf. <laughs> um, but I did find myself thinking, well, I guess there is a base somewhere where this is coming from, yeah. and they've somehow managed to connect it and do it. Um, I think uh, it's not... Uh, it doesn't matter too much... I don't think because they're not hanging the plot on it particularly. Mm. Um, it's just an added kind of feature. It's a way of fleshing the idea out of what they do. Yeah. So it didn't sort of cause a great stumbling block for me. It's not um, like Only the Good where the mirror machine comes out of actual nowhere. Like but it's, it's just it's suddenly there to drive the plot forward. It's, mm. it's just flavour, I guess. But it is relevant to the plot because... You need the contrast where you can see the M-Core stuff, but not the old JMC stuff. So it is a plot point that you need that material there. Yeah, but it's not a central one that would bring the sort of plot grinding to a halt, if you see what I mean. Mm. I, 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 think I don't it's... think... You don't need to make many jumps in your head to think... No, you don't. Okay, I, yeah, I actually... I, I, I think a line and a teleporter effect would have done wonders. Yes, definitely. Mm. Um uh, it's interesting, we were, end up having a conversation about the nature of the vending machines and whether they were actually replicators and whether the days of the chicken soup nozzle being yeah. clogged were <laughs> truly over, <laughs> which I, well, ass- I kind of assume they probably I are. Clean them. <laughs> yeah, the, the end of the episode kind of answers that question. Yeah. So, yeah, but as I say, it's, it's one of those things which is a small detail that's nice to have rather than a massive kind of yeah. wall in the way of... Yeah. Cur- understanding what the hell is going on yeah i think uh, um with regards to, i'm skipping ahead really but it's it's just it's a good episode so let's just talk about what we <laughs> want to talk about uh the um the perception filter uh that lister has um that's very much a, a doctor who term by the way <laughs> uh is i think can account for a lot of um a lot of what might be considered holes or gaps uh, because it's it's never it's open to interpretation, shall we say, mm. as to what extent the perception filter is having on Lister. Like, because when you start thinking about this, has been part of the debate online: is what is MCOR? Like, when he gets transported there, where is, is that a virtual world? Mm. Is that a real thing? Are things yeah. physically happening to him, or does he just think they're happening to him? And I think the perception filter can account for a lot of that. Mm. Because when are they able to suddenly magically inflict pain on him? No, but they can make him think that he's in pain. Mm. Um, and they can make him think that the room is just set on fire. And they can make, well, they can make people invisible to him. They can, yeah. like, it, it doesn't need magic. It doesn't need anything to do with that. It's just they're affecting his brain, his perception. And it's really interesting as well from a kind of filmmaker or program making point of view um, that we are Lister. We yes. see, we yeah. see things from Lister's point of view. We it's don't the see the unreliable narrator, isn't it? Yep. Is an unreliable narrator, and so we are MCOR employees by watching the episode because we can't see <laughs> not MCOR things either. Uh, and yeah, and what was the other thing around that? Um, his his aging. Do we think that they can actually make people older, or do they? Or is because well, I guess Lister and uh, Crichton and Rimmer and Cat saw him as older as well, so they must be able to. Well, I mean, he's using time, isn't he? So yeah. I, yeah, I took that as literally they were taking 
his time away from him. They've that that was physically actually happening. They've developed the technology to remove yeah. time. Which... I mean, yep. it really comes down to, like, what what is the purpose of MCOR? Like, is, the, like, is their end goal to actually have an empire of well-functioning human beings running their various businesses? Or are they, like, parasites that kind of go from company to company and just completely destroy it and destroy the people. So do they need Lister to be safe or do they just need to, for him to spend all his money, expire, and then they move on? Because mm. I think everything that's happening to him is in his head. Maybe everything that is given to him and given to the ship is holog- holographic in some way or just or virtual in some way. It's just that his perception filter makes him think everything is real. Spend all his money, then he dies because... You know he's basically better than life, and then yeah. or worse than life, and then they move on. <laughs> or do they actually want him to be productive and doing a job? That was an interesting thing because they said uh, you'll have to earn credits in order to leave, mm. but then they don't put him to work; they yeah. just take from him. And I thought that's what <laughs> yeah. they were going to do. I thought, I thought yeah. he was yeah. going to be working. Cut to him enslaved in some way. Again, this is the thing where you 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 think a forty-five minute episode. You, yeah. could, you could have done that, and there just wasn't time. There's another yeah. thing as well. Like this is kind of what I was alluding to earlier with um, avenues that they didn't go down that they perhaps could have done. Halfway through the episode, Rimmer loses a month of his memory, and all they all they do with it, and like it's, this isn't a criticism because what they do, they do well, and then they move on to other stuff. They they do a joke where Cap pretends that uh, that Rimmer is his slave for the day, <laughs> whatever it was, because he lost it at a poker game, and then he gets caught up on the plot off screen. But there could have been a whole new comedy avenue to go down where you're saying, come on, we've got to go and rescue Lister. What? Why? What's happening to Lister? What's going on? I thought that was going to be the joke, but it wasn't. They just moved on. There was a lot of Cat Rimmer material in this episode. Um, most of which, actually, I thought was the weakest stuff because it was just old jokes we've heard before. I think the one you just Cat mentioned was there was one of the better ones. Mm. Go on, Capsie. I, I think I think Cat was really weird in this episode, in a way that I haven't been able to quite pin down. The, I, the way he was played, or just his attitude, seemed light and breezy. Uh, in a way that he hasn't—I don't know—that I haven't really seen be like. It's a bit of an inconsistent portrayal. Anyone else get that? I think he's been a bit inconsistent all series, to be honest. Mm. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but some of it, I think, maybe I've been blaming the plot for that more than perhaps the performance. Um, I thought he was. Uh, he seems to. There seems to have been a little bit of um, bringing back stuff for fans or fan service, and I, he's definitely was doing the sort of the old style. Yeah, a bit more vanity, a bit more selfish. Yeah, it's a bit, yeah. So, old school cat. Maybe it's not. not uh, yeah, maybe just not used to used to that sort of. I did like though that in this episode that Rimmer was fighting back a little bit because it mm. seems like Cat's just been giving him a lot of shit so far. This year. Yeah. yeah, and he has kind of fought back a little bit this time. Yeah, that's true. And actually, Rimmer's jokes were funnier than Cat's. Yeah, so, so I'd argue Rimmer won those exchanges. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, to be fair, about fifty percent of Cat's lines this this series have been, "Oh, this plan involves Rimmer not being here anymore." Then I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, and and that's we we so maybe heard. about fifty times. Yeah, it's, that is an issue, I think. And actually, it feels weird because I remember in the days of um, Red Dwarf 10, we were saying, oh, Cat's so much improved to the series. Mm. Feels like Cat's gone a little backwards. 
these last two series. Maybe he seems like he's been more central a lot of the time. I think there's been there's definitely been points quite a few times now I think about it where they're in a smaller group for whatever reason like even if it's just like Lister was gone and so there were a group of three today um, and then when in Macocracy, um no not Macocracy, Siliconia it is confusing they're two very similar concepts um, uh, where Crichton was separated from them so there were a three he's been more prominent to the plot and it's him it's him in this episode he does Lister's role of when Crichton makes a plan Cat's often the one to say yes or no to it, yeah. which yeah. is like it should be Rimmer really, <laughs> in, uh, in technically. But um, but yeah, I think it works that Cat's filling that gap where, despite mm. Rimmer's rank, Lister is the one that's actually in charge because yeah. Lister is the main protagonist of this program, and yeah. so when when Crichton asks for permission. It doesn't matter what Rimmer says, it's, it's Lister it, that gives him... And actually that's fascinating, because Crichton is of course the key, and over the years that's been a deliberate development that Crichton started listening to Lister more and Rimmer less. And there's a great gag in this episode about um, Crichton being frank and saying yeah. that he is more important than Rimmer. <laughs> he wouldn't necessarily have done that a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that development. Mm-hmm. I think it is development rather than inconsistency uh, or whatever. What isn't development is Kat doing the um, curling tongs joke, just like the start <laughs> of DNA, yeah. which we've already heard and was was actually slightly dodgy in DNA. In that the problem with the DNA joke is they just do the same joke again and they don't escalate it. Yeah. So you're bringing back something that you slightly fudged in DNA and you've done it even worse. Uh, it's, I think it's fun. It's funnier in DNA because you can actually see that happening rather than having cats admit to it in a rather odd way. Because I don't imagine cat admitting to anything. Yeah, it was clever enough to try and cover it up. Yeah, you're right, you're right that it's but it's perhaps not a very cat-like thing to do. But I think that bit was one of the better performed bits. Mm. Um, it, it wasn't very catty. It, it was something different. Um, I enjoyed it. I do agree with the criticism, but I enjoyed that bit because uh, it was funny. It was, <laughs> and I think that's yeah. a lot. I think that's what we're saying. Like, could, to to just to emphasise, we did all really enjoy it. It's just well. Can I bring <laughs> up something I enjoyed then? Because I yes. really didn't like that, but I want to keep the positive yeah. flow going. Just because it's a novelty that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I really liked the line about putting a candle on the end of a rectal thermometer <laughs> and, and asking you to blow it out. That's a delightful image to put in that early in the episode, I feel. Also, the uh, another slightly rude joke, the one of the invisible items. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really well mined, really, really good well performances. <laughs> this, I, I think, um, actually, that's one thing I've been meaning to bring up. This episode, even forgetting about um, the way the jokes and the plot that I really enjoy... It's the best performances I've seen the cast give in years. Yes. Um, even episodes that I really enjoy, like um, Lemons, I think that the, the cast performance in this was far above and beyond anything I've seen them uh, do for quite a long time. I think it's the first time we've seen Danny John Jules work with a prop that wasn't something he could simply pick up. It was mm. a, mm. Uh, That was a clever bit of business with, yeah, with the lager. Good. It's like an improv uh, thing isn't it? Yeah. It's like it's a, a scenario in an improv. Really, really good effect as well with the spraying water, and also yeah. when later on when Lister treads on the um, invisible can, I'm looking at that and I'm going, I actually don't quite know how they did it. It's obviously mm. some kind of compositing, but I, I love that. Like in 2017, they've done an effect, and I'm looking, and I'm going, 
what did you do? It's brilliant, yeah, a really not, beautiful effect. Sure. Some some bit like I assume that um, the, that bread was put into a green toaster, and the yeah. toaster was removed with just the bits of bread on top. Yeah. Uh, but the can, I guess you, you could do it in a similar way, but really, really difficult and really. It, however, they did it very skillful editing. And also the, I mean, I presume it's some green screen as well for the floating bed. Yeah. I mean. We're so far away from the shitty green screen on Time Wave. Yeah, and I kind of Two find episodes. and I kind of find that fascinating <laughs> because it, it's it's I just find it weird that Red Dwarf these days doesn't often have particularly awful special effects failures in terms of that. I just find it interesting that the worst one they've done is in the worst episode, mm. and some of the best effects I've done are in the best. Uh, sorry if I'm being thick, but I didn't understand the floating bed. Why isn't he just sleeping in his bunk? He must be able to see his bunk because we can see his bunk and we see what he sees. Yeah. Uh, I figured he, likes, he, was he just, likes his sofa. Yeah, I figured he was just a bit sad because he's like got the pillows yeah. and he put the pillows where the sofa was because that's just where he was chilling. And why did the pillows have a shadow? Although we can't see the sofa, it is still there. So how is like penetrating in order to Wait, see the shadow? Is it because he didn't feel comfortable sleeping on the top bunk? Because if you can't see... The ah, bunk. it's a health and safety issue. Yes, 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 indeed, <laughs> exactly. And we all know how Doug feels about health and safety. I really love that montage. I mean, we've talked about various bits of it already, but just mm. conceptually and the mood, the music is brilliant. Uh, clearly, I'm not 100% sure, but it clearly sounds like a, an original Howard uh, composition. Uh, it's very... I, I'm not the first person to say this, but it was it invoked for me um the section of infinity where lister is is fresh out of stasis before he's met the cat and before rim has been brought back where he has a bit of a breakdown and and mopes about on his own for several weeks uh it's just that that bleakness i really enjoyed that and i think this is where um having red dwarf with an audience is at its best because if you do that stuff without an audience the tone's very difficult to get right. Mm. But when you've got an audience there to slightly lighten it, I actually find it brings out the darkness a little more. The, co- the contrast where, you know, there are jokes in it and there are funny things in it and there's audience reactions in it because yeah. because Lister interacting with invisible things is funny. But uh, it's it's quieter and yeah. there's a contrast there and it's like, yes, this is the serious bit. In the way. My only problem with it is the bit where the beans on toast was nicked. <laughs> Well, why didn't they spell out a message with the beans? There are very yeah. People have pointed out that they could use Mcore branded pens and paper to yeah. get messages to him. They well, can the they can tap on him. They can use the computers. But again, that is true. It's a valid criticism. That, <laughs> but it, it doesn't matter. You don't think of that on first viewing. I I, I, I did think about oh, it on first viewing. Well, you're a prick. But I'm a prick. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing the beans on toast, so he wouldn't have done that. He would have no, but Crichton, but Crichton would have thought of doing. Yeah, but he might not have been there. We don't know. He we would have know, done because we can't see him. Can't see but him. the point is, whether it's beans or whether <laughs> yes. it's pens, beans but or pens, beans. <laughs> find out tonight. <laughs> uh, just before it scrolls too far away from my screen, Daryl pointed out that the music on that uh, montage was an unused cue from mm-hmm. series one. Uh, so presumably that's on the Series 1 DVD. If, uh, so, wait a minute, so why are they <coughs> sensible enough to use uncu- unused cues from Series 1 and then we get the same bloody ship fly pasts? Five episodes in a row, I uh-huh. think, don't quote me on this, but it yeah. feels like it, 
that uh, I'm about to steal a point of yours, Capsi, because I think you've got to be in your bonnet about this. The the music cue at the start. It's the same second one as well. Yeah. So the, 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 the first one of the episode is always the one that should actually be a passage of time in the middle of the episode. Yes. And then the second one is always the same that goes... Yeah, at the end of it, Which and that's would... always the second one, just after the introductory scene. Because if they swapped them round, would often work. I think the version that they often use for the mm-hmm. second flyby is more the story is starting, uh, whereas the one that they are using at the start of every episode is yeah. the story do, is continuing. Do you want to know what this reminds me of? Right, it no. reminds me of radio jingles. Oh, and of what it, it fucking does. And right, what it is, back, everyone. what it is, is that radio, when radio was put together by people who knew what they were doing. Who were also paedophiles. D- who were also paedophiles. Um, although, actually, Jimmy Savile didn't do this correctly. Well, and a lot of other people. It's probably the worst thing he did. It is. But you used to. The use... more you hear about that guy. <laughs> but you used to use jingles that went from fast to slow, so you would link together a fast piece of music to a slow piece of music and you would have a jingle that went from fast to slow to ease the transition and then a lot of radio forgot how to do this and it feels like the same thing people are forgetting how to put together all the individual bits work but putting together is slightly fudged and this is why a lot of tv channels don't work like they should do because people are forgetting how to put tv channels together so you know that the individual programs might be good or an individual trail might be good, but there is a craft to putting together a TV channel to make sure it flows that people are forgetting. And I think Red Dwarf's doing this. Mm. All the individual bits, they might have this, that, whatever, but they're forgetting how it links together. Not necessarily in the right order. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and I don't understand, I don't actually understand why those ship flybys are not doing the same job um, and done as well as they used to be done Um you know, series one to six, even one to seven, one to eight. I don't understand why it's happening. I don't get it. I don't get why they're picking the wrong music. I don't get why they're using limited section of cues. I don't understand it. You're not telling me Doug doesn't know mm. because it used to be like that. So it's just, so why isn't it like that now? And, and Doug was always in the edit as well. Like, well, wasn't he in the edit for, for as soon as he could be? You know, I think so. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, I think, John, you've used your allowance of words. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Which, sorry, uh, sorry. brings us on to, to get it out of the way, uh, half hour in, uh, my only major criticism of the episode, but it is a criticism to the extent that when we were watching it, me and Joe turned to each other and just went, oh, fucking hell, <laughs> not again, type I, thing. I think I know, go on. There's a, well, I don't want to be the one to say it, because... <laughs> Because that tells you a lot. <laughs> yeah, it might prove it I will right. Say it. Go on. I don't think I'm the so, person qualified to say it. There the we bit go. where um, Helen George Bot says um, that men use seven thousand words a day and women use twenty thousand words a day. Firstly, that is not true. <laughs> uh, if you Google it, the top. The top link is the Daily Mail. Um, and secondly, what the fucking what was the point of that? Like, there was no woman there. Like we've talked about this before, and I said if Lister was there and Kachansky was there, or and woman was there, <laughs> she's a there, lovely woman and woman. <laughs> there would be a point to that line, piece of information. Yeah. That information, but there was just Lister there, so it's. It was it was completely pointless, other mm-hmm. than saying, "Ha, like men and women are different, aren't they?" And also, it's not true. 
So yeah. <laughs> it's also quite boring and tired now. It's. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, I mean, I I basically when I heard that line, I rolled my eyes and did actually just say tee hee hoddle ha, <laughs> and uh, and kind of decided well okay one one duff line episode that i'm enjoying isn't gonna yes. isn't gonna kill me yeah <laughs> um but but yeah it, it stands out though it's so sort of thumb is yes. as joe said there's no reason for it to be there for plot mm. reasons or character reasons or even for red dwarf reasons. it's it's irrelevant <laughs> and so you have to say why is it there and it, and that draws attention to it yeah. and uh, i think it's there because I mean, if if I could just get a word in edgeways. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's there because Doug needed to know how many words the average person spoke, Googled it, saw, <laughs> saw that fact and thought, ha, that's a good joke. I just put it straight, and just straight in the script. That's why it's there. Yeah. It's, it's weird, like, isn't it? In, in an episode... We've which... had this thing about him since, since uh, the, he was writing Series 10 where he quite often there would be... Um, tweets from him asking yes. about lemons and things like that is that you, you've got a glimpse into how he kind of writes certain aspects fact-based bits of his scripts it's like oh well he, he, he he's got beans bonnet about it so he googles it and then writes it down into a script and that's i think that's what maybe happened here and he didn't really think much past that the, the reason why it really stands out for me is that an episode which is doing interesting things it's such a weak area of comedy yeah. <laughs> to spray into. There's no, yeah. need. I, there's no need to, and also it's such a short piece of dialogue. I don't even know what made the final edit. It's yeah. it. There was no point to it. I will say, um, I was researching this as well, and um, it was in fact a female author that spread this incorrect fact, <laughs> and a male or a male author corrected her. <laughs> now I know he, he mansplained it to her. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so you know that's slightly unfortunate because you know I actually wish that wasn't the case. Um, it well, does... Hang on, sorry, but, uh, Ben Saunders is telling us that it's actually fine, so you can show up. With oh, oh, of that's course, yes, yes, yes. Um, I have to is say, Ben Saunders the only one that wasn't really that impressed with this episode? Do you know the number of things I've been told that I shouldn't really care about from Ben Saunders? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I don't know why you listen to really, but uh, regardless, I mean that that sort of joke just saw. Sort of... It kind of makes, as a woman, and as a woman, I feel qualified to speak as a woman, um, (laughs) rather than, you know, being a man. Um, That's actually, in my experience, it's been, it's immensely frustrating trying to get heard as a woman sometimes. Especially, I mean, I I work in a very male-dominated industry, and I actually, I nearly exhausted myself. Uh, over several shifts um, about a couple of months ago with two young guys who and they're really nice colleagues but oh my god they it was so hard to get to it the just the end of a sentence without them interrupting me and I had to point it out to them I said that just let me get to the end of a sentence please and I was finding myself having to breathe more to try and get my voice to the volume that they managed to achieve naturally all by themselves just so i could point out to them hang on a minute <laughs> um it's it's a it's something that you know if, if you talk to i think most women uh who who wish to talk about it and engage about it that actually it can be very difficult and and one thing you're uh, often taught when you're a young woman or a girl is that you ought to pipe down and not say things, or I mean, you're told to do a lot. Mm. I think yeah. as a as a female, there's, <laughs> like, there's um there's a 
a sketch which I can't remember which one of you the, is it the fast show I know what you're thinking where yeah. the woman Arabella Weir yeah <laughs> says has an idea and says it and nobody reacts and then the men the men say it and they're like oh yeah it's a brilliant idea that is literally what happens <laughs> like oh, it's like a hilarious me. joke but it actually yeah. happens and, and it's, ha- it's happened to women I know as well and it's one of the things that we you know when women get together on in their sort of weekly conferences and talk about women things uh, this this often comes up because oh, it, it happens an awful lot and the older you get the more you notice it and the less willing you are to give people a pass because frankly you've had it for enough fucking years yes. and you're just yeah. really really pissed off there is also the problem you live with me and i've got <laughs> and i've got a lot to say that's true that's true i do have to tell him to shut up fair enough but, uh, what you're alluding to is the reason why I object to this joke mm. appearing and it's because unconsciously and I feel myself saying this a lot <laughs> which perhaps should tell me something but I don't believe that there was any bad intent behind it because it's no. not on the page and at first glance perhaps it's it's more innocuous and far less egregious than for example she was an absolute slag or droopy ass titties to pick two examples of sexist <laughs> phrases out of the air but it does reinforce unconsciously these attitudes and the status quo that has been a problem for thousands of years without without wanting to that type of joke reinforces it and normalizes it and keeps things as they are and it also it it ends up with women saying hang on a minute can i say something and then men going oh women never (laughs) stop talking oh you're such a cow nag nag chas and dave have got a lot to answer (laughs) well yeah exactly (laughs) also (laughs) It's a little unfortunate as well that it's coming out of a woman's mouth, this joke. Mm. And also, coming up, actually, I thought it was one of the best cast performances I've seen in a while. I really well, loved it. Good. It was great. Let's allow ourselves to move back yes. towards the positive by yes. saying, yeah, um, a great performance. Uh, mm. Despite the fact that Helen George's character was completely artificial, uh, basically just an interface, far more well-rounded than her character in Over to Bill. It's <laughs> 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 a... Uh, and we also had uh, Ray Peacock, Ian Boldsworth, Ian Peacock, Ray Boldsworth, whatever Delete it is, is appropriate. <laughs> uh, playing um, Ray Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> so we had Ian Boldsworth playing Ray Peacock. Is that or what did saying? we have Ray Peacock playing Ian Boldsworth? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and who is Steve? <laughs> Steve Boldsworth. Am I Steve? Is it Steve, Steve Boldsworth? What is Steve Boldsworth? Well, if you were asking me in the early 90s, I'd say Steve Boldsworth, a few... A uh, million quid. For you. You, you're really one proud you. of that joke. One for you, <laughs> Arsenal fans listening. There you go, Pete. Uh, what, what the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> yeah, he was great. He yes. was good. And I like the Hobbit joke as well. So yes. I, yeah. Um, in, he was in... Uh, he, this is a Doctor Dwarf crossover again. It's another actor that was appeared in, oh, yeah, in New Who mm-hmm. and New Dwarf. Uh, he was in Blink. He does he only turn up in the best episodes of the series? Yeah. <laughs> is, is it him that makes the difference? Maybe, maybe. Uh, personally, I don't think Blink would have been anywhere near as memorable if it wasn't for Ray Peacock being in it. A fact which I only remembered after he mentioned it on <laughs> stage at a Red Dwarf recording. <laughs> but yeah, there's a there's a definite pattern there now. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. I, it's, I just love the fact that he turned up because it's it's nicely reminiscent of the olden days where the reason Tony Hawks was in so many episodes is because he he was there 
uh, and like he was a talent that they had at their disposal, so he he could fit things in, and it, it feels like a nice thing that the modern equivalent of Tony Hawk's is yeah. Ray Pe- is Ian Ray Bold's peak. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But also, what I love about it is it. It puts his contribution to Red Dwarf on record. Yes. 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 That's that's nice. Because, point, yeah, yeah. He, he would not, no one would know he was anything to do with the show, and it's just nice to Whereas see him. Whereas he, he has been such a big part of the experience. Massively. For anyone who's lucky enough to go to any of the recordings, he's a huge part of it. And um, I, I mean, to quite a lot of audience recordings, I very, very, very rarely enjoy the warm up. Mm. Very rarely. The warm up's usually not very good, and he just won me over straight away. Ironically, he wasn't doing the warm-up for Imcor. <laughs> <laughs> he, he appeared entirely on VT. He, he wasn't available that week or whatever. Uh, it was the other guy, the standing uh, guy, did it. That's a shame, because he could have got so much material out of his appearance. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't have had to do anything else. <laughs> no, he could have just uh, held up a pen and said, do you know what this is? It's a pen. <laughs> or he could have said, if there's a fire, there won't be a fire. But if there's a fire... <laughs> <laughs> I hope, <laughs> I hope some of his bits turn up on on DVD because, like like John was saying, he needs to be docu- he deserves to be documented mm. yeah. as part of being part of Red Dwarf. Also, I do think Lister should have bought him because he was cheaper than the water. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, I think he would have been good at Captain Company. Do you know? I I also I love the fact that it wasn't scripted and performed like he was really upset at the end. It was just certain <laughs> upset. Oh, oh, it, I just, <laughs> oh, it's really good. What is Steve? Is he a, a computer simulation? Is he a real person that they've conjured up and killed? He's he's <laughs> hologram-esque. Yes. Yeah. Hologram-esque, I think. Yeah. Is yeah. They, An they, AI, basically. Yes, because they, they said, um, which someone said in the comments, that they owned the hard light technology. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah. is why the things they were invisible, because they had their own. Yes. Um, so they could be hard light holograms. Why isn't Rimmer? Why doesn't Rimmer become part of Mcor as a registered crew member in the same way that Lister does? Well, we, me and Tanya, were debating this, and it's a question of is Rimmer JMC crew or JMC property? Yeah, and my argument is he's actually JMC property. But but as Mcor has taken over JMC, yeah. he's now their property. But then yes, the, the, and that's why me. Lister. Um, no. Uh, no. Wow. Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, he wasn't upgraded, mm. was yeah. he? Mm. That's and, probably and the where that goes. Technology that was inside him could quite easily have been like in the same way. Well, that it was made. Droid. It was made by Legion. Yeah. <laughs> and Legion yeah. is not part of Mcor. So, exactly. Yeah. True. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, as a piece of hardware, Rimmer is not Mcor. <laughs> that's true. Um, it's kind of telling that I don't care. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And usually I'd be sitting here for an hour debating if, this. If the scenes in which the crew all became invisible one by one weren't funny, we'd be sat there on first viewing thinking, well, what, hang on, why is Rimmer part of this? But the yeah. fact that it was funny and it was entertaining and, and like, interesting from a plot and there was jeopardy and all the other buzzwords that I've said, <laughs> uh, we didn't mind. I really, I did really like that bit with... Um... Where Crichton used his absolutely last bit of, of visual Crichton <laughs> to tell him he was about to disappear. Yes. <laughs> and also, I loved the little noise as they all disappeared. They, like that. I mean, why would it make that noise? But it was funny. <laughs> That's the perception filter kicking in. <laughs> so, uh, I keep meaning to say this, so in case I forget, Chippy. Oh, yeah. 
Chippy. Uh, Shelley's face just lit up. Go on, tell us about Chippy. I just think the machines are often quite annoying, and I didn't think Chippy was. And what (laughs) I especially loved was when he was trying to get through Lister's arteries, (laughs) him physically moving. I thought that was a great visual gag, because it's a machine, but you know exactly what he's trying to do. I thought that was really funny. One line in particular was really well performed of, uh, I can't remember what the lead up to it was, but cutting in, to interrupting himself mid sentence to go, oh dear. Oh no, I've got it here. I noticed it down because it was really, really, really funny. I'm sure there's no cause for oh dear. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's really good. And yet, as, as you say, Shelley, the performance. That, I mean, I'd love to know who was it actually doing the performance. That's actually a comedy the performance. Yeah. You waving your arm about doesn't really work. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. I'm doing a, I'm doing a. The, the puppeteering. Um, but yeah. that was that was a, that. What that reminds me of is it reminds me of um, on the Red Dwarf, um, the Body Snatcher series two documentary, the behind the scenes when they're in the hotel and there's that discussion about the comedy, it's a spray. comedy spray. It's a comedy spray. Well, <clears throat> that puppeteering was a comedy puppeteer. Yes. Yeah. Who was it? Yeah. Who was it? Was it uh, was it either Richard or Kerry? Because those were the two that fought, <laughs> fought over who got to operate the scutters. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's light years ahead of um, the last medical machine that oh, we met. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I thought Chippy was going to have a bigger part in. I thought I thought the way it was going when they were talking about after they'd restored Red Dwarf to factory settings, etc., and Lister was still under the influence of MCOR, hmm. I thought it was going to be revealed that it was Chippy. Because Chippy was inside him, uh, um, and <laughs> therefore <laughs> Chippy could have been upgraded. Yes, that's Because the, thought, po- the reason that Chippy originally died was that um, he, w- he hadn't had the software update. Yes. I thought when the software mm. update happened, he became MCOR, and yeah. he was therefore a benevolent... Not benevolent, the exact opposite. What's the word? <laughs> Ma- malignant. Malevolent. Yes. Malevolent. malevolent. I, I, I still think that is that is the way it got into him. Is that your... Through Chippy's... But chip. it, yeah. Because it was never confirmed one way or the other, that can only be a, a personal theory. But yeah. it works for me. Yeah. It works for me to assume that. Um, because that also explains you know, some of the things that happened to Lister perception filter or no are, are weird <laughs> but it, it, it's entirely precedented like the idea of rebooting his personality which is how the whole thing is resolved like you body swap set that up uh, that you can you can alter people's thing uh, thanks for the memory yeah um he affected his brain like they they removed bits of his memory like they clearly have the technology to do this in the show and the whole reason holograms exist is is that people's personalities can be backed up and restored? We are we are exactly back to the really good use of past bits of Red Dwarf that we saw with Talkie Toaster, mm. uh, where in Talkie Toaster and Macocracy was a good callback, and that is again a good callback, a good use of the show's uh, uh, old parts of the show. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out which side the Uncle Frank stuff comes. I was just going to say that, and Not, and, and yeah. I think I think the, the, I really don't like any of it apart from. <laughs> Apart from one line about, now can we just get on? Or is that what he said? (laughs) And I just thought, you know what? I think it's shit, but that one line, I'll let it go. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I found that odd. Um, Like, there was a lot of repeating. um, But it was... Hang on. I'm trying to figure out the way to make it (laughs) 
I think that there has been an increase in back references, and like the whole end of this episode is is quite clearly fan service. But there is an argument to be made that it's not just fan service because these things are. There's two points to be made here. These things are only back references if you know their back references. Mm. I think the Uncle Frank thing was weird to us because it was covering a lot of the old ground and going back on things. Um, and so it kind of took us out of it. The intention behind it, I think, was, hey, here's a reference for the fans to get. Mm. But also, if you'd never seen um, The Last Day, that dialogue stands on its own. Is That's Does just the first know? time that you're... Oh, do you disagree? I think if you don't if you don't know the reference, then <laughs> that's kind of just sweeping over um, a sexual assault of a child. <laughs> it's, a weird, yeah. it's a weird <laughs> reference to bring up in the current. It's, it's odd. It's just I don't know. I I found it a bit. It went on a little bit. It did. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and yeah. I mean, notwithstanding or any of that, I was actually just relieved that Doug hadn't just made up part of Wimmer's past again. Yeah, I mean, to, it was good. To serve yeah, as a plot, at least it was so. referencing something we knew. <laughs> oh, that happened, yes. Well done, yes. But yeah, I wouldn't say, if, like, if you didn't know where it had come from. It's a bit weird. It's I, a little uncomfortable, I, I get. I, well, yeah, that's the, that's the element that maybe this was a bad example. But uh, yeah, because I hadn't considered that element. Is if if you didn't know the funny the funny <laughs> version of the story of Uncle Frank, then yeah, he's just said that he was sexually assaulted by his uncle. Yeah. Uh, but leaving that aspect aside, in general, if if there was a scene like that that wasn't about uh, about that, then that then that would be true. I think if it's uh, if it's references to things that are from the past and you don't know they are, as long as they're funny in themselves, then it's not. It, it it serves two audiences, basically. But we do have to remember that Red Dwarf is now being shown on a channel where repeats of Red Dwarf This was my are second point. <laughs> is that it's a sign of the show's confidence. And I think it's the sort of thing that you only do when you've had uh, two years in a row of doing it, or at least, you know, from series 10 onwards. It's not, it's not been as regular as it has been in the past, but at least we've always known that there's more Red Dwarf coming and it's got a bit of momentum, and especially, obviously, between series 11 and 12 both in terms of broadcast and recording, loads of momentum carried over. And I think you that's when you get bold and start doing back references. The danger of it is it's a show that's 30 years old, but um, with it being on Dave, if you've only just come to it through Dave, then, you, then all of Red Dwarf is available to you on a regular basis. So it doesn't matter that it's not a current series that they're making a reference to, because if, you, if you've watched the show at all on Dave, you've seen... A lot of the show. Well, what they sorry, go on. I think I suppose also you've got the danger that you might um, accidentally hit a joke that um, went kind of unnoticed thirty years ago, but people nowadays won't go. Ooh, um, yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Making us think about Uncle Frank again. <laughs> do, you, do you know <laughs> what though? I used to think, and I know why they didn't do it, and I, I don't really think it anymore. But I always really liked the Uncle Frank joke, and then thought the explanation fudged it and I think they should have just left it as, <laughs> as Uncle Frank kissing him because that's the laugh line now alright maybe I don't think that's anymore but I do think that the explanation is feels awkward to me I've always mm. I've always thought because that's not the joke anymore and then you're going on and it's a bit like going on the joke and I'm not saying really they should have done it but I think it's actually a very difficult joke to do in, correctly in the same vein I think this callback would have been infinitely funnier if they had just stopped at 
I forget if it's Cat or Crichton that remembers yeah. the story. So they just say, oh, we know that one, Uncle Frank, and then, boom, that's it. I like, don't carry it, carry it on any further and just let that one, <laughs> leave that one hanging. I think that would have been more successful because that was the laugh for me, was quite remembering. Uh, but you see, I really want the, no, if you don't mind, can I get on? I really want that bit. <laughs> okay, well, that's a fair point. <laughs> Is Cupsy in charge now? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have we we got any more big things to talk about, or should we... uh... Well, we haven't really talked about the ending much. I was just going to say the ending. Oh, yeah. Go on, you go ahead, Joe. Well, no, I think you should talk about the ending. Yeah, but I I was just pointing out we haven't talked about it. I don't have much to say other than... Well, all right. I I do have loved it. I do have something to say. I really enjoyed it. I I love what the... um, what the show's doing there, there, there's what i can't figure out in my head is how they resolve it which is Crichton um requesting to buy a virus that will <laughs> deactivate yes so, um it's simultaneously really really clever and really really quick yes and i i cannot figure out yet how i feel about it because i really love the idea of it but it's such a quick resolution that it feels slightly unsatisfying the... even though i love what they're doing and i love what the show is saying there which is um quite a, a good thing about how capitalism can undermine itself i think hmm. i think it works for me because personally i didn't see it coming that that was the potential solution but no. the very second that Crichton said it i went oh yeah that'll work mm. and then it did yeah and so it it wasn't a hard sell, and so I think it gets away with doing it more quickly. And you know, if it was a bit more of a stretch, if it was something that had to be explained a bit more or justified a bit more, then it would have seemed really abrupt and weird. But for me, I I accepted the solution the second it was presented, yeah. and then it happened, and then we moved on, and that's fine because it was yeah. good. I think it's it's a solution that definitely like makes sense. Mm. So what Crichton's done but it, it definitely didn't sit with me as something that mcor would ever allow to happen with their systems i guess i know what you mean i know what you mean but i mean it feels like you needed some jiggery pokery before that would work but no you just yeah. pressed it and that's it yeah, it just literally said oh uh, could you destroy yourself oh <laughs> that, that work that's a bit like i you know i i build web systems as a bit like it, you know one of my systems having a penetration test and literally yeah. being cracked <laughs> open by someone typing i will hack you into the login box like that, <laughs> that's the equivalent I think you, said, I, you said penetration testing i uh, i yeah, think i'll sorry. tell i'll tell you why it didn't annoy me as much as it did last week because in this episode, it feels like there's no wasted time. Yeah. So even though they maybe mm. ran out of time to to give it perhaps the screen time it deserves, there's no long scenes where I'm looking and going, why are you spending time on this? You've got other things to be doing. And so if they're not wasting their time, I can just kind of accept accept it more. Uh, but I wish it had been 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that leads on to the, the punchline ending of uh, of Lister being in the end again, <laughs> which I think is what Joe was getting at the, yeah. as the big thing. People have been chatting about it a little bit and um, and talking about <coughs> how the CCTV thing works, <laughs> which is again really. is one of those things. Where it, it, doesn't, just it, does. doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> um, someone said, "Well, how about stuff that wasn't that didn't take place on Red Dwarf or Starbuck? Will he be missing those memories?" Uh, but um, Theo, I think, pointed out uh, about Crichton's eyes record everything, which was a, 
Uh, no, Pete did that. Pete pointed out Crichton's eyes record stuff. Uh, it was in the other episode, you know the one. But <laughs> I think it's correct. All I right, so wait a minute. Either. Will Lister forget every single wank he's ever had? <laughs> uh, well, it depends whether he covers up the CCTV camera or not. <laughs> and if Crichton's watching him. <laughs> <laughs> Crichton's watching him instead. <laughs> Like tissue, sir. Uh, so, <laughs> I think Crichton helps him finish off if he's getting a bit bored. Having an entire episode about that. Uh, there was another one as well of um, uh, AJ Gore pointed out he'll need to be told again that all the crew are dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what the next episode will be. Do you know, I, I, I have to admit that the first time round I did get confused by that ending. And the bit that confused me is um, where he said, um, it'll take at least a month to get you fully restored. And I kind of misinterpreted the line. And I just expected Lister to be lying there with no memories for a month. Mm. And I missed the light. So when it all came on, I was cocking my head going, wait a minute, I don't quite understand this. And it was only on the second time around. It's like, oh, that's the line. Yeah. And it's he's going to be restored later on. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't fully get it. And I can't decide whether I want the episode to have been a bit more explicit or whether I'm just thick. Yeah, yeah, there is a day. Well, like it's a, it's obviously a, a fine line because we've complained lots of times yeah. that things weren't clear, and we've also complained that things are overcooked and overexplained. So. One thing I would say about that ending, what it reminds me of very strongly, was the line in um, "Back in the Red" with, uh, "Oh, it's you how you used to be," ugh, like that with Rilla. <laughs> yeah. Except it's done right. Always oh, back. Because here you actually saw Lister really being how he used to be. Yes. With Rimmer in Back in the Red, he was kind of maybe did a couple of lines like an old Rimmer and then it all kind of disappeared and whatever it, and it wasn't also, really sold. It wasn't even slightly Rimmer as he used to be because Rimmer in Series 8 was rubbish. Like, Bane. Craig and Chris just play those old lines and old actions and everything so pitch perfectly. Mm. That's what really works for me in that, that final scene is that it really is Lister as it used to be. Like the, the tone of every single line reading is just yeah. spot on. Um, Nick has pointed out that he's going to lose the memory of the Series 6 cliffhanger because explaining that makes cameras explode. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's never coming back. <laughs> Uh, anything else? I thought it was odd when we started with the singing um, the delay <laughs> with the audience reaction I thought it would straight away because mm-hmm. I did a little squee yeah. I don't know I'd admit that because I, I thought well, it was brilliant but... it's always nice for them to sing the song that they made up to uh, celebrate <laughs> our website <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't until I think he was actually slapping his cheeks that the audience started roaring and yeah. I thought that was quite a delay I don't know if they muted that maybe whereas on whereas on our sofa I think that was the biggest reaction yeah. I've had to a series 12 episode certainly is like I was mm. I fucking loved that yeah. <laughs> like, as soon as he started singing was one thing but then he came on and wheeling that trolley with the pie yeah, the, the, the half a pie in a slightly folded over and the, bit. The fag oh, in the ear. The fag in the ear. Oh god! <laughs> and like this is obviously it's super serving the hardcore fans. Obviously, is it a good idea for a general audience? Maybe, maybe not. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fu- <laughs> fuck the casual viewer. To quote David Simon um, of the Wire, this was brilliant. But I do think they should have shot that final scene in video look. Yes, <laughs> in Manchester on, a, on one inch tape and <laughs> decaying cameras. 
funnily enough as well, this links into something that I was going to say last week's Dwarfcast until I uh, didn't turn up. <laughs> the, the, there was a scene in Cockocracy where they actually, there was, a, there was a walk and talk where scutters were zooming past. Yeah. Like, you know, in a really, really well done way. And I was going to say, well, wow, it's taken them 20 years to get that right. <laughs> and then, then they restaged the scene where they really got it wrong in the remastered. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it needed. CGI scutters whizzing past. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which no one claims responsibility Turning for. Turning and then winking to the camera and then <laughs> end of episode. Right, then. We are an hour in. So I think it's about Bloody time hell. we allowed these people to have a break uh, of three minutes and eight seconds. Um, oh, no, no, I've missed something out. Um, Danny Stevenson, the only G&T who's not actually here, um, sent in some thoughts uh, by way of apology for not being here. And um, he said that the use of sound was so good in this episode. Uh, lots of interesting foley going on with the objects. The crew did a great job with the mining the joke of the buzzing object was a good one, and never explaining what it was makes it all the funnier. And this is a point I can't believe we've not mentioned. Uh, I think we did off air, but not since we've been on air. <laughs> the cat miming shaking a can was a little bit close to the bone. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I couldn't tell whether I was laughing because of what was actually on, like what was intended as the joke, <laughs> or whether I was laughing so much because it looked like the cat was miming, wanking, <laughs> and about it being sprayed in Lister's face. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good effect as well. It's so clearly, it looks like the cat's having a wank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do cats wank? Uh, well, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, right, I think I think we all deserve a break to think about that. So uh, <laughs> keep your comments coming in on that subject or any others uh, via our Spreaker page or by tweeting us at Ganymede Titan. Uh, we're just about to have a little go on your small points, so if there are any minor details from MCOR that we haven't yet covered, leave us a comment and we'll be right back after the break. <laughs> I'm Craig Charles, and these are the biggest funk and soul classics of all time. 60 massive party starters, handpicked from my very own trunk of funk. Craig Charles Funk and Soul Classics, the new album. Somewhere deep in space. Hold on, hold on. You got me? I'm all alone except for the cat. You've got me too, sir. Okay, I'm all alone except for the cat in Crichton. What about me? All right, I'm all alone except for the cat, Crichton, Rimmer, and the millions of Australians that tune in to watch us every week on ABC TV. There's space for everyone on Red Dwarf, Wednesdays at 10. Biggie as good as new. So, Nev, you've had Anglian windows fitted then, eh? Certainly have, Thomas. Oh, I give them six months, sir. Ah, well, that's where you're wrong, Thomas. Anglian give a simple ten-year, no-quibble guarantee. Guarantee? I doubt they'd give a guarantee worth the paper it's printed on. More chance of my Gloria running off with a milkman. Wrong again, Thomas. That's got a bit of poke, Nev. You can trust Anglian without a doubt, Thomas. Excellent news. Red Dwarf 11 The Game has finally landed. 
Available to download on tablet and mobile from the 22nd of September. Plus, to get all the latest official Red Dwarf merchandise, just go to shop.reddwarf.co.uk now. Wake up, Commander. Wake up, Commander. What? Time for bed. Don't forget, clean your teeth and wash behind your ears. Try this. New McLean's Whitening. The advanced formulation helps fight plaque and used daily gently restores whiteness too. Look. <laughs> You're a computer. Oh, never heard of computer dating. Don't wait up. New McLean's Whitening. For a brighter, whiter future. Danger. Do not attempt to open this part. Generations of Time Lords have battled to contain the galaxy's most fearsome forces of evil. Exterminate! Exterminate! But the pod in which they are held is breaking up, and time capsules known as home videos are being released into the Earth's atmosphere. The Daleks will go on! It is your duty as a citizen of this solar system to track down these capsules and neutralize them through your VCR. Many modules are already circulating, and further releases are imminent. You have the power to protect your universe. Welcome back uh, to the GNT Dwarfcast, where the big topic of conversation is do cats wank? Uh, <laughs> Lily says, oh, why wank when you can lick? Uh, Cy Bromley has been in touch to say, cats wank wearing gardening gloves, I think. Uh, Daryl McLean Jones, an unspayed cat needs to be wanked off for its own health. Uh, <laughs> James has pointed out, uh, James Googled it, and uh, Google says, yes, cats do wank. And Performing Monkey says, do cats wank is just begging to be the title of an autobiography. Uh, that was, Probably do Jones. cats wank, brought to you by Ganymede and Titan. C- can I just apologise in general? <laughs> just in general. Um... So, yes, small points that aren't to do with uh, cats wanking. Uh, Should we let Capsy yes, go first? Yes, let's Capsy go first because he's on Skype and we'd like to steal small points from people who aren't in the room. This was mentioned in the, the comment section, but Lester was wearing a T-shirt with cartoon versions of the crew on it. Yes. It was really weird and has it ever been there before? Yes, I want to say yes, but... Um, we, I don't think we've seen as much of it on screen uh, right. prior to now. Uh, we've seen, we've definitely seen it before in series eleven. But I think you could only see the Lister one in series eleven, uh, or maybe only a bit no, of the Rimmer one. You could I think... definitely see this because I remember discussing it at the time, yeah. and saying how weird it was that he was wearing cartoon versions of everyone. It him. does. <laughs> yeah, no, so I've just forgotten this entire thing. Then from this <laughs> <time>. <laughs> it was a year ago. But no, yeah, I, I, you, it's more prominent and more noticeable yes, this time. Yeah. I think. It was a ba- it was more of a background detail in the previous ones. Specifically having just there, Rimmer so prominent on his T-shirt. Yeah. Just seen, you know, Rimmer particularly. I think it's to do with um, when... Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Carry on. <laughs> uh, Curtis said it was in Give and Take. Yeah, that's the one. So. Oh, the shit, Give and Take. <laughs> hey! <laughs> <laughs> John is wrong. I know. I'm the only person who thinks it. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, anyone else uh, who wants a small point? I have a small point. Um, my small point was a, a minor annoyance. <laughs> sorry, guys. Um, the Helen George bot. Yes. Um, when she's explaining 
um, that Lister <coughs> has no funds, yeah. and that she will that he will now be paying in life. Oh. <laughs> like, is there any need for her to do that? Like, <laughs> oh, you know, I really enjoyed that, and I know exactly what you mean. It's a bit overegged, but I got but chills up my spine. But why would the AI? say it in an evil way like, there's no reason for them point. to do there, that the, the delivery no itself reminded me of um, Bad Wolf the Doctor Who episode yes. where they're in Big Brother and Linda with a Y says she's oh, been yeah. evicted from life <laughs> I, I think I I felt the jeopardy so much that I just let it slide I really enjoyed it I, I can't argue with the point but there's one of those it's a common thing this series if you liked the episode you can say oh yeah that criticism is valid but it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah but usually it's me yes. on the other side this is really I'm not, weird this is what I'm, I'm like welcome to my world <laughs> um, Shelley do you have any small points that you'd like to show us um I've got two main ones. There's one little one and one big one. The little one is That's that, often the case. Yes. Um, the little one is that we never find out what Crichton got Lister for his birthday, which uh, I'd like to oh, know. Yeah. I think that's a shame. And there was a little discussion on that in the comments earlier, and they think it's the chips. R.I.P. earphone users, I do apologise. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just I'd love that for my birthday. A big plate of chips. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, my other point is very similar to Joe's. It was a line annoyance when Chippy <laughs> asked Dave if he wanted to find out when he was going to die, and Rumor said, "Yes, please, ma'am." <laughs> Why did he say? Was he trying to he say was, like Lister? Yes. Yeah. He was doing well, a Lister. That was really weird. He did it in a Scottish accent. Was that what that yeah. was? <laughs> <laughs> didn't get that at all. Oh. Fair enough. But, but yeah, he was quite nice. He was Lister so that Chippy would say. To be go. honest, it's quite nice for me to be in a position where I said, "Oh yeah, I got that." <laughs> I'm the same. I f- usually yeah. feel stupid, so I got one so thing. Calling me stupid? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you got most things I didn't. I'm just saying I got one thing. The only yeah, thing. I, just, I think he can do a better Lister impression than that. Surely. Mm. Oh well. It just it sounded a bit odd. It was a very mild Lister impression. <coughs> it, it, was, it was an utterful it chippy. Was, it was quite subtle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have a small point, if that's all right. Oh, firstly, I've got one that's absolutely nothing to do with the episode, but I've written it in the notes here so I don't forget. I must congratulate Philly Mess on Twitter for correctly guessing the opening uh, music to two separate (laughs) Dwarfcasts based on me tweeting, I've got a good song, and him instantly, like, replying immediately with the thing that it actually is, so... Why, why, why do you know this? Are you in my house? But well done. And uh, here's another small point. Have we explored the possibility that you know in this in the montage bit where uh, Lister is on his own using all the invisible products? Could it be the case that he brushes his teeth with a vibrator? <laughs> could Quite this, possibly. Could this be an extra joke on top? Because it's, it's, it's making the same noise and it's doing the same shaking of the hand. Yeah. That could have been a joke where he... Because he doesn't know. He's got this invisible shaking thing. He's just put a glob of toothpaste on it and put it in his mouth. I think he noticed that if Superman was cock-shaked all the time, you'd hope. Well, it depends all, if it has bristles on it either. <laughs> And secondly, I think you're right because if it was an actual toothbrush, all it would all it would mean is that it would take a while to navigate to it, but then it would just be a normal toothbrushing experience. <laughs> yes. where it looks like he's under some sort of attack. 
Okay, we're, I think oh, we're all sold on that idea. Oh, we've lost Capsy. <laughs> Capsy's gone invisible. Uh, we do apologise, but uh, well, let's crack on. Uh, uh, let's find some small points from the thing. Um, Paul Muller's small point. Uh, it was a bit weird not having some kind of establishing exterior shot on the M-Core, um place. On first watch, wasn't sure if it was actually a physical place or some sort of VR setup. There was a, a line that we sort of missed on first viewing. Um, it sounded to me like she was saying this is a PayPal organisation when she introduces it, but she actually says pay for life organisation. Uh, I think we have Capsie back, hooray. Right. Capsie's back! Hey. Um, it is so, unclear, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think... I don't think the episode would have been poorer if they'd just given us a bit more in a few areas mm. like that. I'm not necessarily saying it needed an exterior shot. And I think there's always a weird thing as well where it's like, where are they going? How close are they back to Earth? We keep coming back to this thing of of where exactly is Red Dwarf and Red Dwarf teams to be wherever the plot needs to be. Mm. I mean, we can go all, all the way back to do we believe a post-pod will be able to track Red Dwarf 3 million? Yeah. <laughs> so depending on how you feel about that, I, I I think sometimes you have to just blink and go with it, but I would have liked a little more. Yeah. Uh, who, who else has a small uh, point? I have a small point. I mean, we, when we elicited for small points... Uh, <laughs> uh, for, from the comments, it was just mostly chatting about cats wanking. So if you do, <laughs> people listening now, uh, send in your small points now if you've got them. But uh, yeah, my small point, well, two related ones. I really, really, really enjoyed uh, the shots of um, Apple Geniuses. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was um, that was really good. And Doug's clearly spent too long uh, in 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 the Apple Store, mm. but I really enjoyed that shot. Um, what I enjoyed less is the use of the um apple startup chime when they restarted <laughs> i really like that gmc oh, I, really like I that got a laugh for me both times i watched it the, the thing is i feel exactly like i did with the rim of the spinning rim eyes. of spinning eyes it dragged me out of the the reality of the show i don't believe that red dwarf starts up with that sound <laughs> and i just i just i didn't buy it i'm not I don't hate it. I don't like. I had a real problem with the spinning beach ball of death in Trojan. Yeah. Partly because when you put it into a character's eyes, you are really doing quite something quite deep with the character, and I really felt a very distance between me and the show. And this is just a silly startup sound gag, so I didn't mind it as much. Yeah. But I just basically went, "Ugh, no, I'm used to that sound, and that is not the sound Red Dwarf makes when it starts up." I didn't buy it at all. Uh, I have one more small point as well. Uh... <laughs> It, going back, unfortunately, to the Uncle Frank discussion, <laughs> Frank exchange of views, uh, there was a line where Rimmer says, I was asleep, okay? That is a line uh, that is completely unintentionally, I would imagine. In Body Swap, when Cat um, walks in in Rimmer's body, and he's the first line he says, I was asleep, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> however many years, eight, 28 years later, the same words coming out of the same mouth, <laughs> even though it was cat originally. The thing is, is that there's so many really specific and maybe surprising back references this series that I think at some point in the writing process, Doug binged 
mm. the old the old episodes, and that uh, because otherwise there's no way he would remember. I, I, I doubt he even remembered Uncle Frank, to be honest. And 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 so maybe just the the, the way that Danny said I was asleep, okay, stuck in his head as yeah. you know me watching series three remastered or something. <laughs> <laughs> I I have a small point um, about uh, remembering his password. Uh, for yeah. a senior officer password I did we ever have a situation where Rimmer could have set that up or is that just something that we're supposed to assume at some point along the way thinking about it for half a second I've come up with a possible headcanon uh-huh. but it's, oh, God. <laughs> that that came out really badly I didn't mean to imply <laughs> that you, you haven't thought about it but I just meant to say that this isn't thought through for more than a second um, in body swap, mm-hmm. he couldn't do anything about the bomb uh, or what they thought was the yeah. bomb because it needed to be a senior officer or, or the captain yes. to do it. So maybe Crichton updated the system at that point so that if such a thing happened again, Rimmer could be mm. to, could do it as acting senior officer. That is completely not in the episode, and <laughs> it's something that I've just made up. Yeah, <laughs> yes, um, a connected thing. Um, did Rimmer? no longer have memories of any of the passwords because MCOR had deleted them. That's where I thought they were going with it. That's when he he suddenly said, I can't remember, my mind's going completely blank. Yeah. I assumed it was going to be that they were fucking with uh, him. I hadn't thought that, but that makes sense. It was implied, wasn't it? <clears> yeah, I wasn't sure because it wasn't, like, definite. Yeah. I wasn't sure if he was just like, oh, I can't remember, or if it Ooh. was like... I wondered whether Doug was doing his sort of... His, you know, bewildered old man stick. <laughs> for want of a better phrase uh, Carrie Parsons who uh, was one of our guests last week I has uh, pointed out <clears throat> that the password skit originally appeared in the recording for Samsara Ooh. oh is it uh, were any of us at the recording for Samsara she could be lying she's she's done this before she just, she just uh, no I, don't, I didn't go to the recording no. for Samsara so, yeah. Well, it didn't TBC. stick out to me like it did last episode, as a not last episode. Yeah, last yes, episode. Last episode. The, uh, the stuff that was yeah. transferred from Officer Rimmer. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it made perfect sense in the episode. I was wondering whether you know Doug was doing his his thing of <laughs> modern life, eh? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but you know, but I would say that if he was, then actually Rimmer forgetting an important password for a senior officer thing actually wouldn't mm. necessarily be that much of a stretch character-wise, especially if he'd set it up some time ago, but unfortunately we don't really have any information. I thought that. you were about to make the opposite point. I no. also <laughs> thought that, yeah. Uh, like, would Rimmer forget such a thing? Yeah. Because he can remember all the details of Risk games that he played when he was in college. True, although he is... <laughs> but it's a different if, type if of information, a, I suppose. A small amount of power that he had, would he forget that? Yeah. Mm. Because... Well, yeah. Yes, indeed. There we go, this episode <laughs> was in fact bollocks. <laughs> what, uh, what I find interesting is that usually, and it kind of gets to the real meat of what the second half is doing. When Doug's doing his modern life a stick, I'm usually not particularly happy about it. But this was very much like that, but in a way that really worked for me. <clears throat> um, and I, I love I, it's such a small detail, and you can miss it on first view. But I love that when they rescue Lister, Lister's been seduced by the capitalist society mm-hmm. and wants his um different things and and even the bit where he reaches out for his guitar and they're taking it away and just I, I that that stuff really really worked for me i'm uh in a way that i'm almost surprised the series pulled off 
Because mm. if you'd said that's what this show was going to do, I would have gone, well, I'm not sure I'm going to enjoy this. But actually, it just felt like Dwarf doing um, satire on modern life, etc., etc., but actually doing it really well for once. Uh, just, to, just to kind of wrap up this segment, I think, uh, Carrie has responded to uh, uh, calling her a liar with saying, fuck you guys, kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Carrie. <laughs> um, so... Um, Before you move on, to oh fine, whatevs. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, with John talking about the scene with Old Lister and he's got into the capitalism, I find it really odd that Crichton didn't even hesitate when he was offered a steam mop. It was just no. I would have liked yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. That's true. If they'd that's offered true. the cat some kind of fancy hair, I think that's yeah. yeah, that's what they were going for. I think, with, especially with the steam mop of offering something that the audience and everyone instantly knows well that's what Crichton wants that's his desire and then to Lister to just say yes because it's a thing (laughs) and he must have all the things (laughs) this this is a time issue again actually there's so many scenes where they could have done something but they really just had to get on with the plot it's fascinating one of of the few times as we've said before where a longer running time might have really worked on this one yeah uh, which is also the case for this uh, dwarf cast, strangely enough, because we, mm-hmm. we've not got that much time left if we stick to our self-imposed hour and a half limit. So let's just see how it goes. But anyway, I wanted to move on a little bit to uh, to some news, uh, and I forgot to get the jingle ready. So let's move on now to some <laughs> news. <laughs> And the some news this week is there isn't really that much news as such, but I just wanted to use the sting. Um, however, what we did have instead was, uh, and let, let's go back in time. Let's be Dave paced for a while, uh, because yesterday during the broadcast of Macocracy, um, Richard uh, was tweeting along to it, Richard Naylor, and uh, he invited questions uh, and answered those questions. So there's a few interesting things brought up. Um, so some highlights... Uh, David Ross uh, was really happy to be back, but he couldn't make it to Pinewood, so he recorded his lines at a local studio. Uh, which, I, can you tell? I don't know. No. I don't think so. I don't, no, think, I don't so. think so. You've automatically got the separation when you've got Toaster being <laughs> an object. Yeah. I don't think you can tell. But I guess it means that, unlike how I assume they did White Hole and, and definitely how they did his appearance, uh, well, John Lennon's appearances in Series 1. They weren't actually talking to each other. Uh, Craig and uh, Robert would have been reacting to a recording, mm. but uh, they evidently did it well. Yeah. I think that matters more if you're you're a main character and you're there for the whole show. If it's a yeah. scene, I don't think it matters. Yeah, that's true. Um, another thing, uh, just an interesting thing. Really, someone asked him what the advantages of Baby Cow being on board had been specifically, uh, and this took up two tweets. So I guess we, we can say that it's been a good partnership. Uh, because he said they've got a great team of lawyers and accountants to handle contracts and all the boring stuff. They know and have worked with great heads of department like makeup, prosthetics. Uh, they've got a great relationship with post-production house. Very experienced with scheduling and shows in general. So that kind of confirms what we'd always assumed was that uh, Baby Cow coming on board has meant that the the nitty gritty, the 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 boring part of TV production, as indeed yeah. Richard says, the the admin side of it has been taken over by Baby Co. and their wealth of experience in, in making comedy shows. The the how to actually make it efficiently and well 
side has been taken over by Baby Cow by the sounds of it, leaving Doug free to be creative. Mm-hmm. The only problem with Baby Cow is that they made Uncle, really. <laughs> I've not seen it. I don't it's know whether that's fucking awful. Or I've, got a, I've got a deep hatred of it. That's, this is not an Uncle podcast. No. So, uh... <laughs> they, did, they did make I'm Alan Partridge and... and... Everything, no, they, everything Steve Coogan's they done. Didn't, they didn't make Harm Alan Partridge. It wasn't around at that point, wasn't it? Well, wasn't it someone, back? Uh, someone definitely Yes, made good, point. <laughs> good point. They made Mid-Morning Matters. They, they made, did. They make Steve Coogan stuff. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's why they're called Baby Cow. Yes, I, I am a cunt. Anyway, uh, <laughs> another revelation. They had to pay money to use the BBC clips, uh, the clips from the BBC episodes <laughs> in Macocracy. A lot of money, according to Richard. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It makes you, yeah, um, fair play to it. I think. Makes you why they bothered. Well, I think it works, and I think it's a nice thing to have. I wouldn't have been surprised, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised to be on a production where there's something that you might not have necessarily expected to be a cost yeah. becomes a cost. You could just drop it, but I'm glad that they didn't because yeah. I think it works and it's it's nice and it's a highlight of the episode. Oh, I was well worth it. Well worth it. Well worth it, mate. Get rid of her, she's shaped. Anyway, um, the most, well, the, equally the most and least intriguing thing uh, to come out of Richard's tweets, he was asked the question, is there any chance the Red Dwarf movie could still happen? To which he replied, yes. Uh, let's not go into that again. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm, if, it, if it happens, it happens. I don't, I don't think it's likely to happen. But then we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Mm. And, you know, the answer, is there a chance? The Being answered yes doesn't mean there's a high chance. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's likely. It means that there, there could be a 0.01% chance that it happened and that would be an accurate answer. While, while you're still making Red Dwarf with an audience, which is how we know it works, yes. mm. I'm just not that interested. <laughs> I think, yeah, the time has passed and Red Dwarf has now had its development and become something different uh, to what it was. But it's really working. In you know, it, your mileage may vary as to how much it's working, but it's successful, and it's and it's relatively popular. And we're glad that it's being made in this format. Yeah. Actually, that reminds me of something. A lot of people have um, referenced this um, that this episode felt like a Black Mirror episode. Mm. It did feel quite a lot like a Black Mirror episode, but it's Black Mirror with an audience. Yeah, that's something no one else is making. Yeah, anywhere. And that's one reason I like this episode, because it really did feel like nothing else that is currently being made. And Red Dwarf as a movie has an awful lot of things it could just feel like mm. that Red Dwarf doesn't need to do. Yeah. Because it's already been made elsewhere. I, I, yeah, the, the timing, if it was to happen at any point in the timing of it would be so weird for yeah. it to have happened when we're, you know... If there is an opportunity, like we don't know what's going to happen after series 12, but they've been talking about a series 13, and it's clear that Doug definitely wants to make it, and we would assume that UK TV play wants, uh, not UK TV play, just UK TV in general <laughs> wants to make a 13th series, and that's clearly where it should be. Like um, a feature length thing, maybe. Mm. It like I don't see the point of doing the movie as they were going to do the movie of it being telling the story again from scratch. I think if they were to do a movie, it should be in the in the great tradition of seventies and eighties sitcoms <laughs> of just being a a feature length version of the of, of yeah a feature length episode with the current version, the current iteration, following on the same story. If you want to, maybe if they were ever to do a last ever, it would be a, a feature length thing. 
But at the same time, I'd still want that to be in front of an audience. Yeah. It's the last ever. Because that's the thing is that you've got things like Mrs. Brown's Boys, which I am not a fan of, but they have they have the movie. The movie. The movie. Um, <laughs> do they have an audience? No. For that, like, the movie. No, okay, no. so what we'd be basically getting is Back to Earth, which, as many people, I liked Back to Earth. I like Back to Earth, but <laughs> but I am constantly battering down people who are <laughs> slagging it off physically. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very sorry. So scared to come here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So it'd be Back to Earth, and like. People don't like it. I yeah, like it. People don't want that. I have no... In general. No, I have nothing against and Doug it, didn't want to make Back to Earth no. either. Like, so, well, he wanted to make Red Dwarf. He didn't want it to be in the format that it was. He wanted an audience. He knew yeah. all along it works best with an audience. I'll tell you what I'd love to see. I'd love to see Dave doing Red Dwarf Night 2 <laughs> with lots of wonderful things in it and the highlight being a brand new feature-length episode. Yeah. That's what I'd love. Uh, well, they better get Wriggle on for the 30th anniversary. That's <laughs> 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 yeah. two months, so I don't think that's happening. Uh, but what is coming up on uh, on Dave, uh, well, on UK TV Play first, obviously, and then Dave, it's the last in the series next week. Wow. It's gone bloody it's quick, nice. hasn't it? It really has wow. gone quick. I mean, yeah, we've still got, you know, there's still plenty to be said and there's still plenty to be done, but bloody hell, episode five has been and gone. Uh, anyway, Skipper. Next week is the name of the episode. Don't be can of worms. Just don't be can of worms. Anything but that. There is there is high hopes, I think, on this episode. We were talking earlier, it's probably something that we'll want to get onto more next week in more depth, but we were talking earlier about where series 12 sits mm-hmm. uh, in relation to other series and in and of itself. Is it overall more good or more bad? Personally, and I think everyone in this room would agree that Time Wave was so bad that it's, it's bringing, it's bringing <laughs> yeah. the average down to quite an extent and I think that currently it's in the balance. If Skipper is great then the series will be great. If Skipper's a bit crap then the series I might look back at it and think hmm. uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say the whole thing was crap I don't think but it would I think if, if Skipper lands then it will really really put the cherry on top and make us look back at this series really well I think the overall last, The last episode is so important this is what yeah. amuses me about kind of Worms' placement last series as to why it went out last Frankly mm. I'm also amused as to why this, so, this episode went out fifth When Time Wave was third Come it's on. Like, yeah. This, yeah this feels like a third episode to me it's like Last why? year uh, Crisis going out fifth Crisis arguably one of maybe the best episode that last last year so it was my favorite but i think the consensus would go for give and take or twentica to be the better ones I think. yeah that's true yeah. or off rim basically last year crisis and can of worms should have been flipped around so i really hope i don't feel like that this year yes that's what i'm saying it needs to, i mean it's it's not only it's the last of this series it's the last of this batch it's the 12th episode of 12 in in some respects it, uh, it was recorded last we know uh, that Norman Lovett is in it. What? <laughs> I'm still having to. Do, I'm still having to remember <laughs> what's, what's out there. Uh, and so there's clearly a very special vibe going on. Um, we know that <laughs> there was a very special vibe hey, this episode. Hey. As well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> this whole podcast was worthwhile. Uh, yeah, they're going back to series one era with Holly. There's, I mean, in fact. I'm going to go through a little list here, ladies and gentlemen, of things that we've seen 
in title sequences and trailers that have not yet appeared in the series and therefore are presumably all packed into the last one. Uh, Crichton polishing a camera, which we see in the title sequence, <laughs> him going up and polishing it. Uh, Cat miming uh, buffing Lister's shoes, which I thought was mm. going to be Emcor. Yes. I yeah. thought it was going to be yeah. an invisible thing. Yeah. Uh. Or I thought it might be connected to Cat not being able to see properly and needing glasses because he <laughs> couldn't see where Lister's shoe was. <laughs> but that's presume- that's got to be in, in Skipper. Uh, Rimmer being stabbed by the others <laughs> uh, in, in the bunk room where everyone's in cloaks. Uh, Lister and Cat materialising in midair. Uh, the science room being shaken about and buffeted where there's a bowl of fruit in the background. What is the bowl of fruit? Find out next week. <laughs> and uh, Rimmer being hit full in the face by a nuclear explosion. Can I say, if that bowl of fruit turns out to be the polymorph, <laughs> I am never watching Red Dwarf again. <laughs> Polymorph for oh. <laughs> <Best> for peace. <laughs> oh god, what, what, what are we in for next week? A lot, by the sound of things. I mean, Skipper. Yeah. Skipper to me. I mean, John, uh, not John. Where's the other one? Jonathan, <laughs> uh, Capsy, and Joe saw this episode recorded. Yes. So shut your mouths <laughs> for the time being. But what I'm guessing is Skipper. He's travelling to various dimensions. Is trying the the synopsis that he's trying to fi- find a universe where he's not a prick or whatever the wording is. <laughs> but I would imagine that the reason we're seeing all these different things happening is that he's perhaps skipping to various alternate dimensions and trying to find one that fits. It could be, it could be really really good. Basically, it could be it could be doing lots of. Here's an alternative setup of the cast. Here's alternate versions of the characters, etc. It could be doing a whole bunch of that in the space of half an hour. It could be like 22 short films about Springfield, the Simpsons episode, where there's <laughs> lots of little <laughs> skitty bits. It could be brilliant, and I really hope it is. Uh, I'm actually pumped for it in a I way that really I wasn't up until this episode, and this episode has really lightened me up for the whole show. It's really yes. given me hope in a way that Time Wave destroyed my life. <laughs> <laughs> you should sue. Um but yeah, no I'm I'm really I feel it's weird. I feel more excited about Red Dwarf now than with one week to go. With one week to go. Than I have <laughs> since Officer Rimmer. And even then with Officer Rimmer there were so many caveats because of the ending of the episode. Yeah. And even though I'm maybe think they may have fudged the ending a little here, I haven't been this I do think this is my favourite episode so far of the Dave era, and that is now encompassing quite a lot of episodes, actually. Yeah. We're talking about 12, 13, <clears throat> if we include um, Back to Earth as three episodes. By the time next week, it, this is was this, this was the 20th episode of yeah. the Dave era. And it's my, my favourite, I think, of all of them. Congratulations, Dave era, on reaching 20. <laughs> <laughs> and 21. Key, key to the door next week. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, to summarise... MCOR was really good. It's made us all really happy. And we're now really hoping that Skipper lives up to that. And we think it might. But uh, find out next week. I And I was so worried because the buzz around this episode has been so good that I thought I was going to be the person <laughs> to come in and say, you know what, actually, that was really shit and here's why. <laughs> and I, I didn't need to do it. Yay. Small it's, victories. It's a very rare occurrence when it's, it was emotional. I, I was smiling when I came through the door. Did you notice? <laughs> yeah. you came, like we had to calm him down. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite annoying. 
but yeah, uh, let, let's let's reconvene next week and hopefully we're, we're still this euphoric and dizzy. Uh, but that is it for tonight. A very big thank you to our guests, uh, Joe Sharples and Shelley Smith. And a very, very big thank you to everyone who listened live and chatted along. If you missed any of the show, it will be available in downloadable form on www.ganymede.tv and all good podcast feeds on Saturday. Followed later in the week by our in-depth written review of MCOR, courtesy of John Hall. Uh, we'll be back for the next live Dwarfcast at 9pm next Friday, which will be coming to you from an alternate universe where the sound quality is crystal clear and the show is presented competently. <laughs> but until then, Ed bye everybody. Ed bye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye.